Welcome to the Father Son NBA Talk. This is Jaden Hines. And this is Kimon Hines. And today we have. Today is a game, the day after the game sevens. Um, the Bucks, Celtics, and the Mavericks and the Suns. And we got a lot of talk to talk about uh, with game sevens and the um, conference finals coming up. And we got a special courtesy of Jaden, one of Jaden's favorite players, Pat Bev. We're going to talk about Pat Bev and CP3. But uh, where are we going to start today, Jay? Let's start with the Game 7s. What are your thoughts about the Celtics Bucks? that first? Well, I'll say I was surprised. Um, after the end of the first half, I thought, okay, the Bucks are going to win. Giannis is looking good. Drew Holiday was looking good. And the Celtics were looking a little tight. You know, I think somebody who had like three fouls. I couldn't remember who had three fouls at the end of the first half. You remember? Uh, for the Celtics? Yeah. Was it Marcus Smart? I don't know. But I it think felt, it was Al Horford. Yeah, but it felt like the Celtics were, weren't in rhythm. The Bucks were in rhythm. And I figured that the, the, the experience of the Bucks would win that game. But the second half was a different story. I was surprised um, how well the Celtics played. And I was surprised that the Bucks never adjusted to that Grant Williams three-point shot. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think they they really want to contain the drives, so they're okay with Brook Lopez helping. But once, like you know, you drive and kick, Brook Lopez is too slow to recover. So that's basically an open shot every time. I think that was probably part of the game plan from um, Milwaukee to like make Grant Williams and Derek White, especially Derek White. Make them make threes. I don't think uh, that should have applied to Grant Williams because Grant Williams is actually a pretty good shooter. Yeah, especially like the corner shot. That's the easiest shot in the three-point territory. But also, like, if you see a guy's hitting, okay, it's like, let's let him beat us. But if he's hitting, you got to adjust. And I think, like, uh, Coach Bud never adjusted. Yeah. Now, I have a question. Like, someone, I heard someone talking about this on another thing today. If you were a player and you were out there, and especially like you're Giannis, right? You are superstar status, you're megastar status, and you're seeing this. Would you be like, okay, coach, I get you, you're the coach, but we got to change this? Yeah, you got to, you got to, as the leader, you know, the best player, you got to tell coach. Uh, well, the players on the court, especially, if there's a problem and they know they're seeing it, they got to tell the coach. Yeah, so it was surprising to me how. How much does the Bucks stayed with the same strategy, even though the Celtics were killing them after a while, and they lost by so much. So I'm sorry to see the Bucks go. Um, Giannis is one of my favorite players, not just in today's NBA, but all-time NBA. I just like the way he plays. I like his spirit. And the funny thing is he lost and came across so gracious even in the loss. So Giannis has my respect. And let's, let's not take anything away from the Celtics. They are a resilient team. And they are very well coached. Yeah, the Celtics, to be honest, I see the Celtics as the best team left. In the East and the West? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So save some of that because when we get to talk about the conference finals, I want to hear some of your reasons on that. But the Celtics um, look very good. And I will say they are a surprise team because in the beginning of the season, they didn't look this good. But Ime Idoka has done an amazing coaching job. He just looks like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he looks very reserved. He has trust in his players. Yeah. And it looks like if he, you know, 
he's going to grow with them. They're young. He's a young coach. He's new on that team. It just seems like there's no way but up for the Celtics. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the other game seven, Jaden. What are your thoughts on the close game between Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns? And that game was over with like 10 minutes in the second quarter. (laughs) That was crazy. I did not think, like no one saw this coming. No one saw a blowout, like like 40 points, up by 40 points, blowout. What do you think are the main reasons why, okay, so let me ask you this. Was this A, Dallas was really good, or B, Phoenix was really bad? What was the main reason for the blowout? I'd give the credit to Dallas more. Okay. Um, Dallas, they hit a lot of shots. Then they got a lot of they got production from everybody basically, and um, they they made a game plan to trap Devin Booker out of the pick and roll every time, make others make the plays, you know, and it was working. They didn't let they didn't let Book get hot, which is something that you don't want to happen. Want to happen? Yeah. I think it was a good game plan. No, another good uh, coaching job. Shout out to Jason Kidd. Glad he's back as a head coach. Seemed like he's really matured as a coach uh, from his Milwaukee days and his Brooklyn days. I really liked how he he's looks with Dallas. Um, but it was a shock to me. Um, so I, I was watching at the beginning, and we watched the first few plays, and I said, oh, this looks like a good sign for Dallas because Luka made a few tough shots to begin. And then Chris Paul missed an easy mid-range shot that he usually makes. I'm like, okay, Phoenix looks tight. Dallas looks loose, but the game had just started. Yeah. I didn't like this is a game seven. I did not think like you know, usually game sevens very low scoring, mm-hmm. you know, f- tough fight it out game, you know, rebounds are critical, but man, this game was not close at all. Yeah, it, you're right. You was oh it was over in the second quarter. Like every every shot that Dallas hit was like another bullet to the chest. Like it was just that bad. Yeah. And then, then, I I don't know. I don't know what happened with Phoenix, but it just seemed like they lost their fight early. Um, Aiton was taken out, and I'm sure there's some other stuff going on with DeAndre Aiton and the coaching staff or whatever. Chris Paul, I've seen that look on him before. I saw that last year during the finals. When he feels like it seems like he's overmatched, he just has this look of bewilderment. Like, I don't know what's going on out here. And then you have um, some of the others, right? Like, um, oh, what's what's the defensive second defensive player of the year? Bridges. Bridges, like no factor, right? Uh, Cam Johnson looked terrible. Like Luca made him look terrible, and um, I don't even remember when Jay Crowder hit a couple shots in the beginning, but then I didn't see him much after that. Yeah, they just I don't know. It was just bad. Like <laughs> nobody. Nobody for the Suns played well, I would say. Yeah. Their leading scorer had like what, twelve? Yeah, I think it was did does it Devin Booker? Was he the leading scorer? I'm trying to remember. I think it was a um like a bench player. Yeah, I think who was it like was in, in garbage time. Yeah, I think it was like his name is Ish Wainwright. <laughs> no. There is no way Ish Wainwright was the leading scorer for the Suns in a game seven. Uh, it was Cam Johnson. Okay, Cam Johnson. Twelve points. Okay. And a lot of those came in garbage time, right? That that's not in the flow of the game, 
but it was a terrible game uh, by the Suns. And as Monty Williams said, they picked the worst game to have their worst game. Yeah. Last like your your season on the line. Yeah. I did not I did not see that coming whatsoever. Yeah. Um so we have our conference final setup. It's the Heat against the Celtics and the Warriors against the Mavericks. So let's start with some early breakdowns of the finals um on each on each side. Um let's see where the strengths and the weaknesses lie. Okay, so let's start in the East. Uh the Celtics the Heat, um, interesting. This is these are teams that dominated. I would say what the 2010 era, and now they're back again. So, Jaden, let's talk. Um, where do the Celtics have advantages over the Heat in this series? Um, I think their advantage is that their offense is better than the the Heat offense. Um, both teams have really good defenses. I just trust that the Celtics have, um, like, I like Jimmy, but Tyler Hero as your second scorer to me is not sustainable as of now, as of right now in his career. That's not a good um, option. So I just like the Celtics scoring ability more. And yeah. Who do you think has a better defense, though? The Celtics. Yeah. I I was going to say. Even though you gave the edge to the Celtics in offense, I was actually thinking their defense is better. Even though Miami, I think they emphasize it in terms of like the the, the rough riders. You got your PJ Tuckers, you got your Jimmy Butlers, you got a Bam. But the Celtics get more results out of your defense than than the Heat. Yeah, the Celtics have no like you can't attack anybody um, on defense. Well, the Pey- Heat, Peyton Pritchard. I mean, he don't play that much, really. <laughs> he plays like every other game, so. Yeah. Who who can you attack on the Heat? Uh, Tyler Hero. If if Duncan Robinson gets time, then Duncan Robinson. Uh, I think that's it. Unless like Dwayne Dedman, maybe you like can get a switch or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me this: Where do the Heat have advantages over the Celtics? I don't know. <laughs> Hard to tell you. Um, coaching? That's the only advantage, I think. Okay. Maybe experience. Like what? You got Jimmy went to the finals. Bam went to the finals. Uh, even though you, you, you talked about him negatively, but Tyler Hero made it to the finals. The Celtics have not gone. I mean, they made the Western, I mean, the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, but they've never made the finals, though. So. That's still a hurdle that they've never crossed that Miami's crossed just recently. Yeah, but they went they went deep into the waters. They have experience. Okay. All right. So I, I guess let's just get your prediction now. Who wins? How many games? And I'm gonna ask you for this is this is a new thing. The who's gonna win the Larry Bird most valuable player of the series in the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, I think the Celtics are gonna win. Um, it's either between five or six games. I'm going to go out and say it's going to be six games. Okay. Celtics in six games. Okay. I think that Jason Tatum will be the um, Larry Bird. Yeah. Eastern <laughs> Conference. What's, what is it? Most valuable player yeah. in the series. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll be that. Okay. That'll be interesting, right? Because this is the first time they've named the award after Larry Bird. 
and you're saying a Celtic is going to win it. Actually, probably the best, this is this is going to sound like blasphemy, but I don't think Paul Pierce was as good as Jason Tatum is like projected to be. Like Jason Tatum has more potential to me than Paul Pierce had. So he can actually go down as being this ne the next best Celtic to Larry Bird in his heyday. Um I don't know how like I don't know where Bill Russell is. So. Well, he fought he was before Larry Bird, but I'm saying since Larry Bird, oh, okay. then this is then it'll be Jason Tatum. Yeah. You can't touch Bill Russell though, like 11 championships. You can't touch him. So, so okay, that's the East. Um I tend to agree with you. I do think the Celtics are going to win once they beat Milwaukee. Um, I don't think Miami's going to be able to beat them. I think Milwaukee was the biggest hurdle for them. You've taken down Kevin Durant. You've taken down Giannis. Taken down the defending champions. I think they're ready now. And uh, Jimmy Butler is going to have the series of his life, I think. But I still think Boston's going to win. I don't know how much they're going to get out of Kyle Lowry with his injuries. And uh, Marcus Smart is still a little dinged up. But Marcus Smart, he may miss a game, but I'm thinking he's going to be back for game two. Yeah, I, I think he'll play game one. I think he'll he'll like you know he'll tough it out to play. I just don't want him to get hurt more. You know what I'm saying? I hate for players to tough it out and then they end up worse because of it. Yeah, I think I don't know if like Marcus Smart's injury is like manageable. Mm -hmm. It's just like playing with pain. It's nothing like. Yeah. He'll get you know he has a, a high risk of getting injured again. Yeah. I don't know if it's like that, but yeah, we'll see. All right, so that's the East. Let's go out west. Well, let's talk about the Warriors against Dallas. I don't know if anyone at the beginning of these playoffs predicted this would be the Western Conference Finals. Because uh, at least in the East, you got the one and two seed. In the West, you have the third and the fifth seed, right? The fourth seed. Wait, Dallas was up. They were the fourth seed against Utah. Yeah, they, they were ahead yeah. of Utah. Okay, so the third and the fourth seed. So let's do the same thing. Who wins? How many games? Who wins the Magic Johnson Most Valuable Player of the Western Conference Finals? Uh, this is a, this is a tough prediction. I I could see it going both ways. Oh oh, you know what? Before we get there, we're going too fast. Let's talk about strengths. Who has the advantages in different areas? I mean, one I'll just say one big advantage for the Mavs is that they have Luka Doncic. Mm -hmm. So. That I don't know who can guard Luca beside Draymond on the Warriors, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, Mavericks have really good three point shooting. They have really good defense. So do the Warriors. Warriors, you know, they still have Steph and Clay. That's still, you know, as like you know, they both declined a little more so Clay than Steph, but. They're still best shooting backcourt. Yeah, so that's always a big, big threat. If you leave them open, they're making it. Um, Jordan Poole. This will be yeah. This is a series. big Jordan Poole series. Mm -hmm. um, for one, he's gonna get attacked by Luca on defense. Um, he'll have to as if he's producing offensively, then it hurts the the Warriors less, but. You just have to hope that you'll be able to, like, uh, the Warriors will be able to, like, not, I don't know, hedge or something and not have to switch Steph and Poole on Luka. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that Luka is a mismatch for almost anyone, right? Um, I don't know many players who can guard him straight up one-on-one. -on -one. 
The problem is, if you try to guard him one-on-one, he's going to score. He can get anywhere he wants to go. I mean, you show, you saw what he did to um, Paul George, Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard for those last few years, right? So with those guys being amazing perimeter defenders and strong enough to like play back with him, and he dominated them, imagine the Warriors have Andrew Wiggins. Who's, he's turned into a pretty good defender. The problem is he's not very bulky. So Luka's big. But then when he, when he hunts for the switch... He's going to try to get uh, Steph. He's going to try to get, as you talked about, jo- Jordan Poole. And Steph can't be reaching. Steph can't pick up fouls because the Warriors need him for their offense. Yeah. that. Yeah, this is just going to be a really fun series. It's going to be a really interesting series. It's like a toss-up to me. Who has the edge on defense, would you say? Uh, I don't know. Not the Warriors, because they were like the second best defensive team in the regular season. And they were number one when Draymond was around. It might be the Warriors, but yeah, it's close. Yeah. Jason Kidd is a great coach. I mean, he's he look at what he did to Dallas this year. They really didn't get a lot of free agents. They swapped out Dinwiddie for um, Porzingis. But they've really stepped up their game this year. He's really helped Luca to develop. Yeah, he's he's coached them very well on both ends. Brunson has taken a step. Yes, he does. Yes, he has. Uh, I'd even say Kleba. He's gotten yeah a little better. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's. Uh, who's who's? What do you give the edge in terms of coaching then? Uh, I still go to Warriors. Uh, experience. Yeah. And maybe that's the edge overall in this series, the experience of the Warriors. So, give it to me, Jay. Who wins this series? Uh, this is a, a tough one. I'm going to say that the Warriors win in seven games. Wow. Okay. Long series. Okay. Who wins the uh, most valuable player of the series? I'm going to say Clay Thompson. Oh, wow. That's going out on a limb. Clay, listen. I don't think anyone would be mad if Clay wins this. Not even Steph. That means Clay's kind of gotten his mojo back. Are we gonna see Game Six Clay for more than one game? I think so. All right, he looked really good in Game Six. All right, so there you have it. Um, East, you're predicting the Celtics. West, you're predicting the Warriors. We'll come back and update people during the series and before the finals. We give our finals prediction. So. Uh, let's see. Let's touch two hot topics before we end today's podcast. DeAndre Ayton, is he going back to the Suns or not? Where, where's your, what's your initial vibe coming out of the end of this series, the end of this season for him? Uh, I don't think he'll be back. Uh, what are your sources telling you? Nothing yet. (laughs) Um, I don't think he'll be back. I think he'll go to a team where he can, he can get more opportunity to be a little bit more of the guy. He's He won't be the guy, but, you know, have more touches and stuff, more opportunities he's still uh, create for himself. Because um, I do think, you know, he can do more than he's been, like, he's shown mm-hmm. or he's been able to do. So what team is that? Uh, some team with money, maybe the Pistons. Maybe the Blazers. 
Yeah, I don't know about the Blazers. To me, like, you got Nurkic in there, and they really weren't doing anything. It's still recording. Um, but I'm really wondering, you, you you brought it up last night, right after the series was over, the Pistons. And I'm pretty intrigued with that possibility, him and Cade Cunningham. That's a pretty good one-two punch. Yeah. Them, and then you have Bagley. As I mean, I don't know how much more he'll develop, but that's another young piece. You'd have the top two picks of the 2019 draft. That's true. And then you have... Um, What's my man's name? Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay. They're probably gonna trade um um Grant. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he, he's he's but they'll get something for him. If they can get a pick for him, he's gone. If they can get a first round pick, sorry, he's gone. So interesting. Um, and then the news of the day, we're recording this on Monday, uh, May the what, sixteenth? Mm-hmm. Right? So <laughs> um all over social media today, uh, it's clips of one of Jaden's favorite players, Pat Bev, talking about another one of his favorite players, Chris Paul. Give me your thoughts, Jay, and you could clean up the whole favorite player thing. But give me your thoughts on Pat Bev and some of the stuff he said about Chris Paul. Is he out of line? Is he just being a hater? Is there some truth in what he's saying? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, for context, uh, Patrick Beverly, he talked about Chris Paul a lot today. Um, some of the things he said, he said that Chris Paul is a traffic cone on defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, was, that was funny. Go ahead. Um, he talks about nobody is scared of the Suns. Like, you know, people say in, like, in locker rooms that no, they don't fear the Suns. Um, that the Suns talk a lot of trash. He said about that. That um, the Suns were talking trash to the Timberwolves, like talking about make the playoffs, y'all ain't gonna make the playoffs, or we want y'all, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, yeah. So those are that's the context. He said some other stuff. He said CP3 is not. Um, I want to say he said he's not a superstar or something. He said Devin Booker is the only player on that team that is like a a, um, a star. He said CP3 flops a lot. Um, that rip through move. He should have fouled out a, a long time ago in game six. And um, I think it was game three he was talking about, or game two. Okay. Uh, he, I thought he was saying them last two games, but okay. But he, okay, and there's some history with those guys. They actually, you know, their history goes back to when they were in high school. They had a rivalry going back to high school. Um, and then obviously, like in the NBA, traded for each other, had some contentious stuff. Remember Pat Bev last season, how it ended, right? He pushed Chris Paul in the back, and he was suspended, I think, for the first game of this season. So their history is pretty dark. And it's interesting ESPN would bring him on today in the wake of Chris Paul losing as bad as they did. It was good timing. Yeah, I mean, it does help the ratings. We're talking about it on our podcast and it's all over YouTube and social media. Okay, where was Pat Bev right? Where was he wrong? Was he wrong on the whole thing? Was he just being a hater? What are your thoughts, Jay? Um, I think he was more so right on the defense part. Uh, Chris Paul isn't a superstar. What did he say? A star or a superstar? I can't remember. I know he, they were going down the list of like stars on the on the uh, on the Suns, and and. Um, I think the the host was like Devin Booker. He went, that's one. Chris Paul, he said, still one. 
And he went DeAndre and he's like, y'all get out of here. Y'all joking. Yeah. So is he like what what part of all the stuff he says is he, so you say he's right on the defense stuff. What is he wrong on? I don't know. I think he's right. <laughs> I think he's just right. Okay. Was he being a hater though? I mean, he did come at Chris Paul heavy today. Yeah. So I guess you could say he's being a hater. But yeah, I mean he's not wrong. What's funny to me is as I listened to him, I was like, Pat Bev actually has a future in television. I watched him last week on uh, NBA Today. He was on with Matt Barnes and Kendrick Perkins and Malika Andrews. And I was like, oh, Pat Bev, he doesn't, he doesn't know what camera to look at. You know, he was off. But today, with Stephen A. Smith, with J.J. Redick, he was on. And I, I actually like that. I wish no Matt Barnes. I think was on his on this one last week too. I wish him and Matt Barnes were on the same show because Matt Barnes was sticking up for CP3, saying how disrespectful it was and stuff, which I thought was interesting. Matt Barnes seemed a little bit uh, like a media guy, like you know, like a, a media guy today. Like we shouldn't talk like this about whatever. But it was just interesting. Pat Bev, I cannot wait for him to match up against Chris Paul next season. If Chris Paul does not go at him. None of these players gonna respect Chris Paul. They're gonna come for him all season. If he if he lets if he does not drop about thirty-five and twelve on Pat Bell next season to start the season. Uh, <laughs> I don't see that happening anyway, but Yeah. Well, it was interesting. It made for good um ratings for ESPN. Shout out to them. Uh ESPN, if you're looking for the next great talent. Holler at us. You want to get the father-son NBA talk before we blow up, and maybe we go to uh, Turner Sports or something. All right, Jaden. Um, take the people out. Let them know um, what's up, and then we'll be back. So just take about, take us out. Uh, this is the father-son NBA talk by Jaden and <laughs> Kimo. And we're signing out. Peace. Peace.